Excellent. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 8th, 2022, and today we're reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion, page Roman numeral XXVIII, that's 28. Um, the second paragraph starts with frosty emotional appeal seldom suffices. And we're just reading that one paragraph that ends with, if they are to recreate their lives. And our readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 steps, Dara L., for the 12 traditions, Tenzin P., and reading the text are Pete B. and Anne Marie M., and Janice P.M. is our backup. The newcomer greeter is Jason K., and the host of the second hour is Nancy C. The reference numbers for Thursday, April 7th, 2022, the 7 a.m. meeting is 18,794. That's 18794. For the 10 a.m. meeting is 18,795. That's 18795. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Dara L. to read the 12 steps. Great. Thanks so much. I'm Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. 
Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Dara. I will now ask Tenzin P to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P checking in from New York City. One, uh, the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, prestige, and property divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you, Tenzin. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in the doctor's opinion, Roman numeral 28, the second paragraph, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices, um, reading through that one paragraph only. And I will ask Pete B. to begin reading. Good morning. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy from Pennsylvania, currently in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. 
in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. So yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's an interesting paragraph. Um, you know, frothy emotional appeal, right? What does that mean, right? Like others, others pleading with me, right? Or pleading with you to, to uh, put down the substance, to step away, to lose the weight. Uh, medical professionals offering me, you know, warnings about the, the health implications of what I'm doing and what's going to happen if I continue to do it. Uh, loved ones, you know, making suggestions and, you know, putting me on uh, regimens or recommendations on, on uh, different diets, different, different processes to put in place in order to address, you know, my, my eating disorder or the way, the way that, that the way that I'm eating, right? All these are frothy emotional appeals. I think one that one of the one of the biggest ones for me is is that frothy emotional appeal I have after I after I've ingested the substance, the rationalization, and the justification that hey, this time it's going to be different. I'm going to approach it a different way. I'm going to moderate. I can sometimes I can use these substances. Sometimes I can't. Right? That was that was the big frothy emotional appeal for me. Right. Because on the outside, you know, compared to the rest of society, well, you know, guess what? I blend right in, you know, for only 40, 50 pounds overweight. You know, that's that's minimal compared to many of the, the people we walk into today. Right. So I had to I had to I what I had to recognize is that I'm never like frothy emotional appeal from other people and frothy emotional appeal from myself will not suffice. Right. It says here that the message that will interest and hold these alcoholics must have depth and weight. The only place that I heard a message of depth and weight was from another compulsive overeater. Another person that, that, that experienced the pain, the suffering, the incomprehensible demoralization of going back to the substances after I put them down or going back to the substances after some event occurred that, that, that would indicate to any normal person that, this, that these foods need to be put down, right? Now, it's interesting that the doctor, like this is the doctor, he's not an alcoholic. And he's saying in this statement, in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And this is, a, you know, this is, a, this, I think this is a humbling statement from a medical professional, again, acknowledging that they can't do anything about this disease, right? The, 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 the fact is, is that his observation is that in nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. And, and what, you know, in my experience, you know, for the real compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to say that in all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. Because I know from my experience, right, I'm not abstinent and recovered today because of my memory of my experiences. I'm not abstinent and recovered today from the, from the recalling of your experiences. I'm not abstinent and recovered today because I've, I've learned my lesson. 
I'm abstaining and recovered today because, Time, I tapped, because I've tapped into a power source greater than myself, and that power allows me to live this way, and my life has been recreated. With that, I'll pass. Thank you for, your, for, for the opportunity. Thank you, Pete, for getting us started. Okay, we're on page uh, Roman numeral XXVIII, the second paragraph, Frothy Emotional Appeal, reading that one paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this? Larry G. from California. Larry G. from California. Okay. I have Larry G. Janice P.M. Claire E. Sam S. Sarah L. Sarah L. Lynn S. Sorry. Lynn S. Abby S. Cindy, yes. Cindy F. is in Frank. Cindy S. is in Sam. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Carmela G. Um, Carmela G. Okay, let's stop there. And this is who I have. I have Janice P.M., Larry G., Claire E., Sam S., Dara L., Lynn S., Abby S., Cindy S., and Carmela G. Go ahead, please, Janice P.M., followed by Larry G. Well, thank you so much, KDF, for your service. And this is Janice P.M., recovered compulsive overeater from Medford, Massachusetts. Yeah, popular, popular, popular um, uh, paragraph. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. Well, it never, never did suffice. It never was enough for me. Um, it didn't do the, it didn't give me recovery. What is, and it was explained very well. You know, it reminds me of years ago, we used to have um, uh, um, milkshake sodas, you know, and there'd be this froth on the top. So you just blow it away and it would go away, you know, poof. So it's like, you know, um, it doesn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't do a thing for me. And it said, the more people um, pleaded with me, Janice, you know, you're going to be getting diabetes from a doctor. Yeah, okay. Uh, or, my, or somebody saying to me, Janice, you're starting to put on some weight and you're starting to look matronly. Well, yeah, it hurt my feelings for a while and perhaps I would diet for a day or two. And uh, nothing, nothing, nothing did the trick for me. Uh, or was a miracle um, until until I started with you know the twelve steps because a power greater than me was needed because I was powerless and everybody else was powerless over me. You know I can't stop my disease. Doctors cannot stop my disease. They can maybe help me medically, but they can't give me recovery. Frothy emotional appeal is not enough. I don't care who it's from because they're all humans and I am beyond human power. And, you know, even the fellowship made up of, uh, made up of wonderful human beings. I can go to the meeting for the last 20 years and still continue just to go and not put the food down because of the allergy. Uh, I'll never be able to get recovered. You know, I can go to meetings, like I just said. I could have a wonderful sponsor there, you know, but she can't do it either. My own mind can't stop me. 
I must accept this plan of action in order to get stopped to to receive, to get access to a power greater than myself. Otherwise, it's just not going to work because I failed so repeatedly, so repeatedly, and it destroyed all my self-confidence. You know, uh, like I said, nobody, my husband, my parents, my family, doctors, psychiatrists, friends, they all helped try to help me break this cycle of addictive eating, and nobody could because inability. Time, please. Yes, certainly. Of uh, in, uh, human resources that I, so therefore I felt hopeless. And uh, and everybody got angry at me and I got angry at them and learned that I cannot make anybody recover to stop eating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Excuse me. <clears throat> okay. Larry G., you're up, followed by Claire E. And thank you, Janice. Good morning, Larry G. from California. Uh, good morning, family. Um, I would deliver these Tony Robin quality frothy emotional appeals on a regular basis to myself with little or no effect. Um, I finally have, I have finally accepted the doctor's opinion. Um, in December 2019, I drove to uh, my client's business in Santa Barbara. It's about a seven-hour drive, and I. I probably consumed, I would say, conservatively about 15,000 calories. I was, my car looked like a toxic waste site, you know, with all the wrappers and bags. Um, I probably gained around 10 pounds that weekend. I just couldn't stop eating. If you had given me a, a million-dollar lottery ticket, I could not have stopped eating. Um, I checked myself into a vision for you in May of, of uh, 2020. And I've, this is the first time I've traveled since the, the pandemic. I'm here in Santa Barbara on business. Um, and I could tell you, I brought God with me this time. I brought God with me because I was scared. I haven't traveled since March of 2020. Um, and I think it's good, to be, I, it's good for me to be scared. This is a, a terrifying disease. It is powerful. It's the dark one. And I need to be respectful of that. And I woke up this morning. There's an IHOP right down the street. I did not wake up this morning going to the IHOP and eating uh, 10,000 calories of flour and sugar and maybe throwing a little bit of protein in. I'm on this call this morning, and after I'm done, I'm going to go work out and then start to go to work for my, my client. The difference is, is that in December uh, 2019, I was not available. I should have refunded him uh, that the paycheck I earned because I was just not available. Today, I'm available. I'm alive. I'm feeling the stress. It's a high-stress environment, but I'm staying out of the, the kitchen. It's like a it's like a smorgasbord of flour and sugar. It is a, a, a cathedral built for flour and sugar, and I've stayed out of there, eat my snacks, uh, book in with my sponsor before I came, um, been on calls with uh, members of this program, and I got to tell you today, I woke up as an absent man in this program, and I thank a vision for you. Uh, and I pass. Katie, we can't hear you, dear. Oh, I'm Janice. Um, 
Okay, now we'll have, thank you so much, Larry G. And now we'll have Claire E. followed by Sam F. Thanks, Katie. My name's Claire. Sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, we can hear you, Claire. Go ahead. Yeah, no, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, I'm going to... Yeah, lovely. Thank you. So my name's Claire E. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in the UK. Um, what an amazing paragraph. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised it was a bum fight to get in today. So as has been shared, frothy emotional appeal. And, um, you know, I think I probably gave myself more frothy emotional appeal than other people gave me, although there was a fair bit of both. And um, I was trying to sort of recall with other people sharing, you know, what that looked like for me. And in my last relapse, you know, what I did was I used to make myself sort of stand in the corner of my kids' bedrooms when I when they were sleeping and look at them sleeping and say to myself, you know, what are you doing to them? You know, what are you going to do to them? You've got to stop. They're going to need their mum. You know, uh, this sort of, um, yeah, yeah, just I, I'd sit there with my tears running down my face Um and if it came from me, it didn't, well, I didn't hold any depth or weight by the next day I was back in the food again. And if it came from other people, which it did sometimes, you know, certainly my mum and my husband used to appeal to me to, to stop doing what I was doing around food. It just made me feel shame and more dishonest, really. I just got more dishonest. It didn't stop me doing it. It just made me hide it more. Um, so emotional, frothy emotional appeal certainly never, um, never did very much good for me. Um, and the message that can have depth and weight, I was thinking about what that looked like too. And um, for me, on this particular occasion, when I came back into OA, and I've been in and out of OA a few times, you know, um, what held my attention and what held my, um, you know, what had depth and weight for me was um, a call with a lady that then turned out to became my sponsor shortly afterwards. Um, and, and what she did was she just shared her story. She shared her story and it was uncannily, and this was a real God job, she, it was uncannily like mine. I knew from the identification and I needed that, that she'd done what I'd done around food. And I could hear that she wasn't doing it anymore. Um, and she was, she, not only was she not doing it anymore, but she was happy in not doing it anymore. And that was the most powerful message for me because it really helped me to believe that if someone like that could get recovery, then maybe I could too. And, um, you know, that's that's been my experience with um, a lot of people in OA. You know, it's like if I hear their story and I see their recovery, it makes me believe I can do that too. Um, and, you know, then it's just not a question of asking for direction. And um, and then this last sort of part of it, you know, depending on uh, power, grace of the mind, you know, no human power is going to relieve my alcoholism. And I have definitely been guilty in OA of making sponsors higher power, of making people higher powers. Um, and I've learned sort of a little bit the hard way that that's that's not sufficient. You know, my own self-sufficiency, my own, you know, my own power doesn't doesn't sort this. Neither does any other human power. I absolutely have to have access to power greater than human. And I do that through taking the 12 steps and keeping that channel clear um, and then carrying the message to the best of my ability and living in this, you know, sort of steps 10, 11 and 12. And, you know, that has taught me I just, I, you know, I, I can't. I can't solve a problem by living in the problem. I have to get into the solution to solve the problem. Um, I cannot solve the problem at the same level of consciousness at which it was created. And, um, you know, that's what the 12 steps and my conscious contact with my higher power of my understanding, not anyone else's, um, gives me is the ability to sustain and to do so happy. I will leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you, Claire. Okay, Sam S., you're up, followed by Dara L. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for leading. 
morning, everybody. My name is Sama. I'm a recovered compulsive eater, and I live in Bristol, Rhode Island. Um, frothy emotional appeal for me went anywhere from, oh, you have such a pretty face, to, you know, my brother um, telling me he didn't want to lose his sister when he saw that I was trying to hide the fact that I was not eating. Um, it came in the rooms as me saying, you know, meeting makers, make it, and um, and I'm going to be abstinent today, and it's going to be great. But all frothy emotional appeal did for me when I, when I uh, hadn't experienced complete defeat of everything was it just made me really seedy, and it just made me think I'm going to get out of it another way. I can't have this. I'm going to have that. He doesn't want to see me doing this. Well, I'll just do this when he's not looking. And so for me, frothy emotional appeal was almost a challenge of how I was going to get away with it. And, um, and I did, I did it. I said it, I've done it. I've, I've tried all the things. And uh, it's interesting that it says that we must be grounded. Uh, what ended up carrying a message of depth and weight was the experience of nothing working, which essentially brought me to the ground. Um, it wasn't what anybody said. It wasn't a great pitch. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't even, I mean, I was on in these, in these rooms listening to this wonderful meeting that's big book based, trying to will myself to be abstinent by hearing all these amazing shares from these strong personalities. And that didn't do it. What did it was being brought to the ground, brought on my knees of, ouch, ouch, this hurts too much. And I'm done. It's not, I've got this. It is, I don't have this. And it was only then that I was willing to ask for help, which I think is just the strongest prayer is someone help me because I can't do this anymore. It wasn't frothy emotional appeal. It wasn't insubstantial. It was substantial pain that eventually brought me to ask someone truthfully for help and to tell them what I was doing and uh, for them to say, like, we need to, we need to do this. You need to you need to put everything down and we need to pick up the steps. And I mean, frothy emotional appeal for me was working 11 out of 12 steps, quote, unquote, you know, not doing step one and trying to figure out, well, you know, I can't have this thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a substitute. I'm going to make this look like that. And that was, um, you know, I can do that. And so it wasn't until then, it wasn't until I came down on my knees and I was brought down on my knees and I was finally able to say help. And then I could hear the message. And finally, that had depth and weight to it from someone who was recovered. Um, it wasn't all the well-meaning people that absolutely love me because that those messages work for people that are not like me, that don't have this disease. They can hear that. They can hear the warning. They can hear the love. They can hear the concern. And that will work. But frankly, it doesn't work for a girl like me. What works for me is being beaten down and having no other choice. And so... That's what happened to me, and uh, that's what continues to happen as I keep getting humbled and beaten down, and I keep asking for help and being led by these steps. You know, this message is Time, and, wait, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Take care. Thank you, Sam. Okay, um, Dara L., you're up, followed by Lynn S. Great. Thanks so much. This is Dara L. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Philadelphia, and um I don't have much to add to what everyone else has said about frothy emotional appeal. Um, you know, to get someone sort of out of the disease, it, it never worked for me. Um, whether it was, you know, pleading, screaming, crying, whether it was the emotional appeal from within me or whether it was others, you know, just really wanting a better life for me. Um, but what I will share is that I, I don't want to, I, I don't think it's 
does service to someone like me um, to suggest that like this is a one-time thing, you know, that frothy emotional appeal doesn't work for me with the food, but it will work for me with other things. Um, because, you know, I have a tendency now that I'm recovered to think like, oh, okay, great. Well, now, you know, I can pep talk myself into achieving my goals. I can, you know, change my behaviors. I can release this character defect just by, you know, yelling at myself or pep talking or like hiring a life coach or whatever it is. Um, and my experience is, is that I fall flat on my face on a regular basis, you know, and it doesn't have the same consequences that the food had, um, and it doesn't result in the same, you know, internal angst and just degradation and, you know, inability to look myself in my own eyes in the mirror. But, like, frothy emotional appeal also works when I have to tell someone a difficult truth and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell them the truth. I can't say, like, okay, just do it, you know, like, just buck up and do it. Tell the truth. Like, I have to be grounded in a power greater than myself if I'm going to recreate my life. And that's just as true as it was a year and some months ago when I first, you know, crawled back into this program and I could not stop killing myself with food as it is today. Like when I, you know, all of the principles of this program are things that I don't want to do because they scare me. You know, they scare me and I'm lonely and I'm afraid and I'm ashamed or whatever it is, you know. And and so I think for me what I'm learning is that the ideals, that like the, the ideals from a God of my own understanding are the only thing that I can turn to for anything and everything. Um, and that's really humbling, you know, because I want to believe that, like, oh, great, now you're recovered. You know, now all the things that didn't work with your eating disorder are somehow going to work with your character defects and with other things. And that's just not my experience. You know, frothy emotional appeal didn't work to stop this person from killing herself with food, and it's certainly not going to work stop me from any of the other things that I do on a daily basis that are not in my best interest and are not grounded in a power greater than myself. So anyways, thanks so much for your service and I'll pass. Thank you, Dara. Okay, Lynn S., you're up, followed by Abby S. Good morning, Lynn S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. This line was really speaking to me this morning, but in a different way and talking about frothy emotional appeal, which was the first 36 years of my life in my head in frothy emotional appeal. And of course, it didn't work with anything. It didn't work with any life situation and it certainly didn't work with the food. But you know where else it doesn't work with me? I can't go to God with frothy emotional appeal. It does nothing, nothing at all. How many times, oh, God, please, please, if you love me at all, let me get weighed and not gain weight. That used to be my thing every time I went to the doctor or every time I went to a pay and weigh or every time I had to hop on a scale or, God, if you love me at all, you know, like, let me, let me, you know, I, I can't even think of what else because it was my whole life. Everything was that. And when I know when I'm running with scissors and running in circles and going, God, God, please help me, or doing my prayer and meditation in the car, it's useless, absolutely useless. When I go to God, I have to go with depth and weight. And what that means to me is like I pause first, and then I go to God and, and 
it's just so different. I've just learned that that frothy emotional appeal means nothing to me and really nothing to others. Like, I'm so sorry I did that again. I I won't do it anymore, I promise. Look, I'm doing it this way or that way. Never worked for me, never worked on me, and it certainly hasn't helped anybody else when I've done that to them. So that's just what occurred to me this morning. Thanks for letting me share. Bye now. Thank you, Lynn. Okay, um, Abby S., you're up, followed by Cindy S. But before you start, Abby, let me just tell people who may have just joined us that we're on page Roman numeral 28, that's XXVIII, the second paragraph, Frothy Emotional Appeal Seldom Suffices, reading that one paragraph only and sharing on that. Abby S., followed by Cindy S. Hello, good morning. My name is Abby S. I'm recovered in Michigan. Um, what I want to talk about today, and thank you everyone for your shares and being here, is the message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. And um, I came in as a bulimic, like a secret, secret bulimic. And I just, like nobody, that was not something I was going to tell anybody. It was like my deepest secret. I think one of the things that I was like, I'm taking this to my grave, like nobody's going to know about this ever. And I remember finding out for the first time about the LA Speaker Bureau like website with the LA Intergroup where there was all the speaker tapes on there and um and it categorized them by like if you were anorexic, bulimic, hundred pounder, um, you know, it had all these categories on it. And I remember finding that and feeling like it was like the secret society. And I listened to those. I mean, I searched the bulimic, like all of the bulimic ones, and I just played and played and played and played and played over and like, I just one after another. And it was like, I was hooked on hearing that other people were like me. And not until I came to OA, thank God there is OA, where people speak openly about these things because... I was able to identify, and I remember in my first OA in-person meeting, I was baffled, and I, like, just, like, people were talking about these things, and um, and thank God that I don't have to live in that darkness of, like, secret anymore. I can openly share comfortably with a wide variety of people that I did some really like gross things with food and with my weight and with my body image and you know bulimia is just something that is like for me was so shameful and to hear other people you know speaking about their own experiences made it so much easier for me to share about mine because I could identify so I'm super grateful for OA and everyone here on the line and sharing their own individual experiences. So thanks for letting me share and attack. Thank you, Abby. Okay, Cindy S., you're up, followed by Carmela G. Good morning. My name is Cindy. I'm calling from New Hampshire. Um, I'm a grateful, uh, recovered food addict. And um, thank you so much, everybody, for your share and your service this morning. And what this paragraph brought out to me 
is the food never sufficed. No matter how much I ate, from the time I got up until the time I went to bed, and no matter what I put in. And I had so much reliance on that food, but the program today is giving me the reliance on God. I had many, many years of back-to-back abstinence, but the frothy emotional peel in my head with the delusion of my plans and designs for life and how it was supposed to work, I had to submit to God's will. I had to come to terms with acceptance. I had to come to terms with this program had to offer. And it's still on a daily basis. I'm not cured. I might be abstinent, but if I don't start my day with God and end my day with God and have a conscious contact with God, I'm off and running. You know, I'm not cured. I only have a daily reprieve. And I'm so grateful for the people that speak on this line every morning and share their grace. And um, I'll never forget my eating days, but I have to stay on an emotional balanced life. And the only way I can do that is with the 12 steps and doing my 10th, 11th, and 12th. And I know today that um, I just have to accept life on life terms and discern God's will. And, um, you know, when it says here, if I am to recreate my life, it has to be grounded in a power greater than Cindy. I had to resign from playing God. I might, that might suffice in a job, but, you know, trying to do it all and be it all. But in, in reality, it's, that's only delusion. And, you know, that had to be smashed. I had to be smashed when I had to find out that I had an allergy to sugar and flour. And it continues in my life on a daily basis. So thank you very much for taking uh, my call this morning. And I look forward to hearing everybody else. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Cindy. And Carmela G., you're up. And then we'll open it up for more people. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kate, and thank you, everyone on the line this morning for being there. My name is Carmela G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. Um, This thought, these words brought to mind what I was like prior to program, and I always thought I knew this God, but never had that relationship Never, never could I be honest and truthful with myself. I didn't even realize I was lying to myself. It was always that mask, that lying, uh, I could do it, I could do it, I had the power. And it took this program to have me go inside and truly look within myself and dig out the reality of who I really was. And I could not dig it out on my own. I needed a loving, merciful, ever-present relationship with a power greater than myself. And that was what worked. I had human relationships, yes. I was the youngest child. I was so loved. My parents begged me. My loved ones begged me. The doctors that I had cared and said, you're killing yourself. What are you doing? You could be so wonderful. But no, that wasn't the depth and weight. That inventory, when I dug in there 
and realized what was driving Carmela. Finally, I had to surrender to the fact that I was powerless and I was not the powerball that I thought I was. And it took this program and working these steps that gave me the depth and weight so that when I work with another person, I'm not frothy like the head of a beer and I could be blown away and swayed in the wind. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmela. And as I said, we're on page um, Roman numeral 28, the second paragraph, frothy, frothy, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. We read that one paragraph and are commenting on that only, please. And um, if you have not shared in the last two days, who would like to share? Roxanne. Linda D. Betty Okay. Um, Devorah S. Devorah S. Dana P. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to stop. I'm sorry, um, Dana. You'll have to come on the second hour. Okay. So here's who I have. I have um, Russ M., Phil M., Rick J., Linda D., and Devorah S. And we have um, 14 minutes. So we'll see what we can get through. Go ahead, please, Russ M. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, family. Russ M., recovered compulsive reader uh, outside of Philly. So when I hear this frothy emotional appeal, I, I was 14 years old, freshman in high school in health class. And in front of the whole class, teacher said, yo, if you don't stop eating, you're going to be dead before you're 25. And I went out and ate. Couldn't stop. I'm in chiropractic school in my 20s. We're dissecting a cadaver. The guy's about 400 pounds. Dies of a massive heart attack, young, 41 years old or so. We dissect his heart. A huge blockage in the aorta. I saw it. I couldn't grasp it. It's right in front of my face, and I kept eating. It changed when I heard a podcast of two of my closest friends in program that I didn't know I was going to be close with, and I identified with it. That's when it started changing. The message had depth and weight. People call you, you know, all the names in the book. You got, the doctor says you're going to die. You're going on a, pro, a program. It never worked. Don't understand why. I don't know. It's just how I was wired. But when somebody told me how to quell it and to live a, you know, a, 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 just a regular life, uh, it cracked the door for me to get closer to God. Then I worked the steps, and this is why I'm on the phone line now, because if that didn't happen, I would be dead. So that's all I wanted to say. Y'all have a beautiful day. Thank you, Russ. Okay, Phil M., you're up, followed by Phil by Rick J. Thank you very much, Katie. Uh, my name is Phil M. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Northern Ireland. And, um, yeah, this, this line is just so special to me. You know, frothy emotional tales seldom suffices. And I needed, you know, to have my life grounded in a power greater than myself to recreate my life. Um, I had what I thought was recovery in OA. 
but really what I had was abstinence. I'm not saying that God wasn't there or wasn't helping me. There's no question. Um, God is always there. Uh, sometimes I have my back turned. Um, but I needed to understand that, you know, abstinence was not recovery. Um, and, and that's really what I believed was true for a long time. But seven and a half years in the programme, um, I had got abstinent for my 60th birthday. Um, thanks be to God, I went on holidays with the kids. We had a lovely holiday because I was abstinent. However, I was morbidly obese, really heavy, like 261 pounds, 16 and a half stone, and um, could hardly move about Dublin continents. Just so much misery, you know, depressed. Um, but I was abstinent for, the, for, for our, our little holiday. And um, that was smashing. But the fear of sponsoring sent me back into the food in September. Then I heard someone give a great weekend here in Ireland, got a sponsor, and was directed to a vision for you. And I still wanted the bulk. You know, it was, you know, having to put down all the sugar. Sugar's my <clears throat> my uh, main problem. And um, I just thought, no, no, there is sugar in stock, kids. How can I make a nice soup, do you know? And that was going to be the hill that I would die on, you know. I, I can't give up stock kids. Sugar's in everything, you know, virtually every darn food. Um, but the set aside prayer also helped me, you know, because I needed a new experience and an open mind. What I was doing was not working. It was keeping me in the food. It was giving me food dreams. I felt a shaky abstinence, but to do it this way, to give up everything that had a tiny bit of sugar as an ingredient just made such a difference while I was doing steps. It made a huge, huge difference to me. And um, it, it's not about the food, and it is about the food, but it is mainly about the connection with my loving power. And today, um, in two-way prayer, I heard that my, my loving power adores me. And that's this loving power, that's the higher power that I needed to hear, not a power that's mad at me but a power that is mad about me. And um, she, he, they just sustain me every day. And when I meditate in the morning, and I do most mornings pretty well, and um, my day goes an awful lot better. And I'm just so grateful to have found this way of working away. It's a real renaissance of away, and it's given so much comfort and so much joy. So thanks to everyone who started it, and thanks for everyone who sustains it. And it's just amazing. Uh, my gratitude's overflowing. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, uh, Phil M. And Rick J., you're up, followed by Linda D. Uh, good morning, Katie. Good um, everyone. Thanks for your service. Um, yeah, I love this uh, little paragraph here. Um, you know, the, the frothy emotional pill really stands out uh, to me on one particular day. Um, I'd been to the doctor and he called me a ticking time bomb. And, you know, I was overweight. I, uh, you know, was pre-diabetic. My cholesterol was around 400, high blood pressure. I was binge exercising to counter all the calories I was slamming into my system. You know, I mean, I was just like an overheated engine. And, and it, that's what I looked like to my doctor, you know. And I came home and I was telling my wife about what he said. And I was laughing about it like it was a joke. And, um, you know, and she's got kind of a twisted sense of humor. So she was following me around every time I would be eating something. Notice I'm still eating the things that were leading to my, you know, ticking time bomb state. 
when she would go around and make the sound of a ticking clock, you know, like tick, 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 you know, you're getting ready to blow. Well, my son, who was about six at the time, was was listening into all this, and uh, I was eating this massive bowl of buttery, salty popcorn that night, and he came up, and I looked and noticed he was crying, and he asked if my doctor knew I was eating that, and um, I realized for the first time how much of an impact, you know, my my addiction was affecting someone I loved, and I uh, I got down on my knees, and I promised him I would never eat like that again. I, I told him I loved him, and we went to the trash can, and we threw it away, and you know, and an hour later, he caught me eating a big bag of Skittles, <laughs> and um, you know, and he just looked at me in a way that that little light he always had in his eyes, like I was his hero, it just went out, and um, and that hurt more than anything. And I was on my knees to God, you know, and uh, like it's been shared, my frothy emotional appeal, you know, to God and the frothy emotional appeal from my son and my doctor and my wife, you know, it was just um, what happened? What happened to that? In that moment, I wanted so much to change. And, uh, you know, it tells us that, uh, you know, it's a fact that we've uh, we've lost the power of choice. So it doesn't matter what I feel or what someone says. I've lost the power. I have no power, you know, and whatever so-called willpower I may be able to scrape up, it's non-existent. It's it like as far as trying to change on my own because I have no power and I couldn't even bring in with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation, not just a week or a month ago, but an hour, you know, um, or in that same day. I mean, I just like it was just a series of events where it was like. My disease was demanding that I take that next bite, and I was powerless to stop it. And you know, one of uh, my OA sisters looked me in the eye and told me what I was dealing with. Fine, please. Steps and wait, and uh, I began my journey then. With that, I pass. Thank you, Rex. Okay, Linda D., you're up, followed by Devorah F. We have five minutes, so that should uh, wrap up our meeting. Go ahead, Linda. Hey, Kate. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm um, astonished and grateful to be recovered, not cured. I only have to recreate my life. Is that it? That's it? That's all you want? I have no more idea of that than a bird that just flew by my window. So that's why I'm here today, because I have a deadly disease, and I believed that. I believed it uh, many, many years ago when I went to my first meeting, but I didn't have any connection or an open mind to God. And that's, is that all? Yeah, that's all. And through practice through these steps, with all of you over the years, practice, practice, practice of these steps over all these years, because I've been here a while, voila, I have a relationship with God. Unbelievable. It's amazing, beyond amazing. It's stupendous. I lead an amazing life. And it's not romping through the daffodils. It's life. 
And that means inch by inch, I listen to God. And I can hear God through you. I can hear God through me. That's the amazing part. It is deep. He, it, he, she is deep within. And I can hear it. I can actually hear it. And I can live in unconditional love. And I have to learn how to do that. And I'm learning day by day. What a miraculous, fabulous life I lead. And if I can do it, you surely can do it. And with that, I pass. Sorry about that. Thank you, Linda. Okay, Deborah S., you're up. Hey, good morning, everyone, and thank you all who makes this meeting possible. My name is Deborah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey, and brought the emotional appeal never suffices. And, you know, I live my life like that. I lived till I came into these rooms. That's what I was doing. I, I lived in the idea and the promises that other people said to me, you know, if only, if only, you know, things would be so much better if you lose the weight. You have so much going for you. Just lose the weight. You could do it. And the doctors and, and the siblings and my parents, this is what they did. And the promises they said to me, you know, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. Just lose the weight. You'll be, it'll be fine. I grew up with this since I was a child, since I'm six or seven years old. This was, this was the story. And that's why I love OA, you know, these rooms vision for you, because there's no frothy emotional appeal. You know, we talk the facts. We talk, we, this is the truth here. You want to get better. You want to stop eating. We can help you. We can show you. There are steps to follow. There's, there's finding your higher power, committing to that higher power, living with that higher power, putting down the food, you know, working these steps like your life depends on it. This this is the truth here. We'll love you always. We'll love you always. But the way to get better is by working this this this, this program and, and following the dictates of this book. And I'm so grateful that I'm here today and every day and I hear the messages that that are coming to these room that, that is that is being said here. Um because um you know, my head is so easy to go back to those, to that way of thinking all those years ago, to that frothy emotional appeal. And I need to be grounded in this every day um, so that um, I don't go back to where I was before, weighing 150 pounds more than I am today, um, diabetic, high blood pressure, not being able to move, crying in self-pity, woe is me, woe is me. But living a life with a purpose, um, seeking God's will throughout the day, um, staying abstinent no matter what is going on. I'm packing up a house. We've been living here, um, married for 40 years, downsizing major, and I'm not eating and getting rid of things, my character defects, putting things aside and just being living in a simpler way. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. Okay, and thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for unrecorded second hour of study.
second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. And the share ID for today, um, April 8th, 2022 is, sorry, I had it, 18,798. That's 18798. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Anne Marie M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Star one, Anne Marie. Janice, are you there to jump in for Anne Marie? I'm here. I'll be right on the page 164. Sorry. Thank you, Janice. My pleasure. Come on, Janice. 164. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Um, Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past and give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Pass. Thank you, Janice. 